Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Now, a few weeks ago, if you remember back, I began to tell you about a television show that I found that I love so much, I began to watch it. The name of the show is called Alone. If you don't know what the show Alone is all about, it's about 10 people dropped off in the middle of nowhere with a certain set of tools, and then they have to build them a shelter, and they have to catch their own food. And what the objective is, is to see how long they can live alone and outlast the other 10 people on the island or wherever and see who's the last man standing. And so that was their, you know, objective. So as I watched this show and I was really getting into it and everything, my wife began to notice something. And she says to me, you think you can do that, don't you? I said, oh, baby, I know I can do that. And she said, but have you ever gone camping and built a shelter? And I said, you see, what science teaches us, that if you do a thing in your mind long enough, it is as if you did, look, that's my science class. I, didn't, I wasn't in your science class, I didn't get in your business. Don't get in my business. That's what my science is doing to me. So I feel like if I watch it long enough, in the moment, I'm gonna survive, you know? I don't know about you, but I feel like I, if I see it, I can, I can be it. And she said, I, 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 she said, I'm scared about that. But she said, babe, but it really comes down to, no matter if you can brave the elements, she said, because you're going to be outside without shelter. Um, that was a shot, by the way. Um, she said, it comes down to whether or not you, not you have enough protein. Can you, you know, get some meat? And I said, got that. She said, have you ever hunted before? I said, not relevant. <laughs> because another one, I've seen it. And I'm not going to hunt, I'm going to trap. And I figured that the same principles to building a shelter apply to trapping. And she said, I, you know, she said, let's just take a different approach. She said, do you know what happens to most of the people on the show as I was watching with you? She said, they all get to the point where they can no longer tolerate loneliness. Even if you could survive, she said, how? she said, when's the last time you went a day without talking to a multiple people. I said, well, you know, not, not often, but I can try. There's something in us that makes us believe from time to time that we can make it on our own. And that with the skills you have and with your own source, you as the own source of every resource you need, you will be all right. In that show, we find that people don't, I don't, I think the person that made it the longest, if somebody who watches the show can correct me, it was 100 days, 100 days. But most of the shows that I've watched, it's like 40 or I've seen a couple that went to 60. That's not long if you think about it. And, you, and, you're, and you're going down. This thing of isolation and loneliness uh, is so pervasive, especially since the pandemic that you have scores of people 
who are needing different levels of support, having different levels of anxiety, different levels of, of de depression, because the world is telling you that the option to be alone is okay, and in happy, but it's not telling you some of the negative effects. And if this is a reality, I wonder if the scripture actually speaks to the state status of being alone and if it has any answers to it. And I believe in our text we have this week, we do have answers to it. And I want us to turn, before we get to the main text, to Genesis, to connect last week and this week. I want us to get, go to Genesis 1. I'm going to read it together for some contextualization. Starting at the 28th verse, when you have it, Say aloud, amen. amen. Yeah, when it's on the screen, say amen. amen. All right, great. Ready, read. seems like God is stating out loud the purpose of man, his life. And he says to mankind, I want you to multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the, the, the fish, the bird of the air. I want you to uh, rule. I want you to subdue it. And this is the, the purpose. But right now, man needs some help in order to do this. And Genesis 2, verse 18 begins to pick it up, and we'll start our lesson right here. Then the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So he went from verse chapter 1, saying everything was very good, to chapter 2, saying that it is not good for man to be alone. There's this thought that people have that I would be better, or I can do better, this is the statement, all by my. And there's a sense that when you're alone, there's nobody to fight with. And you know when you're alone, you know one of the joys of being alone? You're always right. You're always right. You know, when you are upset when you're a young person and you're a teenager, the first thing you want to do is when you don't agree with your parents is go to your, so you can be, uh, hang out by your, because you can just figure it out when you don't have somebody crowding up your mind. This idea of being alone is so comforting that statistically we're increasingly alone and three out of five Americans are finding themselves alone and lonely at increasing levels. And even though, even though we know this reality, we haven't been able to change this reality. 
Even in marriage relationships, wives are feeling like they're alone. Husbands are feeling more alone. And there are things that are inanimate that are replacing human connectivity, such as, you know, the internet. And 73% of people who spend time dominated by their social media are more lonely, feel more isolated. And you might be saying, why do you say it's not good to be alone? Because when you're alone, you can think, you can, you know, you can come up with some creativity. You can, you know, sometimes you need space. Y'all know how it is, parents. Sometimes when your kids go to school and you're home by yourself, you say, ooh, this is good. I'm alone. When your spouse takes a business trip, you love them, but you know, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. And some things that can be rejuvenating from being alone. Why is he saying it's not good to be alone? Because we know statistically that when you're alone, it affects your health. It affects your, 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 your psychology, the way you think, the way you act, the way you move. And the very God who created us said, let us make man in our own image. He's a relational God. And he built you with a desire to have relationship. So how can you be good when you're just alone? What if I told you if God designed you to be in communion and community with other people and you find yourself more in isolation, perhaps you're like this scripture that says it's not good. And I know that we all have our good excuses, especially if you've ever, you don't have to raise your hand, but if you've ever been hurt by other human beings, one of the first things that it makes you do is take steps back and withdraw and collect yourself. And instead of how human beings are designed to trust one another, you, you just begin to trust yourself. Even when your trust is violated, God still has designed you to trust and to be in relationships. And, and they're tough. And he says, he, he says, I'm going to tell you something about God. Because I was talking to some singles uh, and I was asking them questions about what it's like being single and all this stuff. And they were telling me that now, it was just a group of singles that I talked to, so they, they don't represent all singles, but it's the group I talked to, was telling me the primary way that dating happens now is online. It's, you know, y'all just, is that an amen or a, uh, uh, I don't know. Okay, good, thank you. So, they said, but the problem with it is, is you can put things on your profile that aren't true. And you can present a version of yourself that you wish you were versus what you actually are. And, they, and, the guy, and some of the people was telling me that when they finally meet the person, they're shocked. Because it's something about, you know, making ourselves look a certain way to attract community. But God says, I, God is saying it's not good for man to be alone. And I will make him a helper or build him someone that is suitable. God can build you into a community or build a person, a relationship, a friendship for you to have that's unique for you. But notice that the thing is God is doing it. He can make you a helper. And I want to read some of these words for helper that really might give us some insight as to what God is trying to bring into our lives. A companion, a counterpart, a compliment, 
someone comparable, who you see eye to eye, toe to toe, face to face, an equal opposite. God is trying to bring relationship at that level into your life. That is something that is equal to the task of standing with you. And I believe that's powerful. He want to make you a helper that's fit. So not only does God know that you're alone, I want you to know that he can change your relationship status. He can change it. And before you can tell him, I don't have any friends, he's already seen where you're at. We know statistically that most men are not going to build community, but they want community and they're some of the best people to build bonds and community with. But there's something that doesn't allow for that level of vulnerability and brotherhood. I just can't come off of a, 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 a ninth year of a pastor's men's retreat, just five of my closest pastor's friends where we, where we disciple one another, where we confess sin to one another, where we work on our live, lives together, where, where we're in a discipleship relationship because you need that. And I was thinking to myself, where would I be without that? And then I have it with my friendships in the church and I have it up. I have it all these places where I'm, I'm in communities bouncing up against me. It's making me able to stand in front of you with peace in my heart and my soul in check. Because as the Bible says, a man's way is just in his own eye, but it takes a neighbor to help him figure it out. You're always going to be right if you're only talking to you. And if you spend enough time with yourself, you will talk to yourself and even in the third person. You know, it, it'll just happen. Let's go on. Because if he'll change your relationship status, it's something he wants to do. It's not something that you brought up first. It's something that he's bringing up first. Let's read verse 19 together. Ready? Read. Y'all, just, 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 no, no, no. Ready, read. So here is God identifying in our very first few verses that there is a problem with man being alone, and he said, I'm going to solve it and do something. And in the next few verses, we don't see him doing anything about it. We see him actually amplifying the reality that the man is all alone. He gives him a job where he has to be identifying all the other animals and all of their equal opposites, all of their companions, all of their partners, all of their counterparts, all of their equal opposites, all of the people they stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with. He has to become aware of all the other relationships that are on the planet while he himself is still alone. Don't you hate that when you, you know when you're a single 
it, it, people, because people that are married sometimes forget when you're single, and then you got to look at the people who have people, and they don't aware that the the conversation kind of led to some internal stuff that y'all got going on and left the single people out. You got to be watching that. Like y'all don't see me. You know, it it it, be, it, it can become frustrating to be aware of your situation, for God to be aware of your situation, and his answer to it is just keep working. Just keep working. In fact, the very thing that God says in Genesis, I think, 2 and just further up, he says that he made man and he had nobody to work the earth, and he gave him the responsibility to take care of the garden. Now he gave him the responsibility to take care of the animals. He's given us an indication of what you do when you are in a single status. You work in your purpose. You work in your calling. You work in your assignment. But you don't worry about what you don't have. You focus on what you do have. Because while you're focusing on what you do have, God is working on what you don't have because he's the one who said it wasn't good for you to be alone. But the reality is, we believe that we've got to do something to be noticed. Instead of working at our mission, we begin to work at being seen. Now, I want to say this to the young ladies. Not that I couldn't say it to young men, but I feel like the attack is greater on young ladies. You are beautiful all by yourself. You don't have to do the work because God, your father, and your creator knows who you are, how he built you and made you, and you are good and good enough to him, and he has some relationships that he can prepare to bring around you without you trying to make yourself appealing for people who may or may not like you. Don't do it for them. Now, if you enjoy what you do and it's for you, have at it. But don't do it because you need to get the attention of someone else when you've got God's attention. You've got his attention. You don't need anything else. And so he says, he says, Adam does this work. So I want you to know Adam is intelligent. Adam is a botanist. Adam is a biologist. Adam is just smart. He's just naming animals and, and, and doing stuff. The Bible says the unmarried man cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please him. Whereas the married man cares for the things for his wife, how he may please the Lord and please her. So the unmarried, you have a gift that married people don't have. Because I just was talking to somebody about going to minister in France. And in the lobby, when Matt Rash was here, I said, he invited me to Marseille. And I said, Marseille for me. And I, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to Marseille. I said, September sound good. And then I walked for a while. We was up in the gym and I saw him again. And Debbie was in at the corner of my eye. And I said, well, I told him I was coming to Marseille, but I ain't say nothing to Debbie. <laughs> but I am going to minister. So she gone. I said, man, I got to fix this. 
So I pulled him. I said, hey, 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 Debbie, Debbie, this Matt, you know, we could, we could go. I didn't downgraded it. We could go to Marseille. I didn't already told the man yes. I mean, I already messed that up. See, I got, you got to care about stuff when you marry. You got to be like, oh, I ain't, I'm not single. I got to check the family calendar, the wife calendar. It just might not fit. When you single, you might, I'll be there. I'm going to take a month off my job. I'm going on a mission trip. And maybe we look at you and look how you enjoying God. Don't let the enemy make your position in life feel like a curse. It's a blessing. Adam was not cursed. There is no sin. God is just saying for all that I have designed for man to do, it's not good for him to be alone. It made him relational. I want him to have more than this. When I met my wife, she was working. She never gave me the impression that she needed me. In fact, it was the opposite. She had it together. And even when we got married, she didn't need me. Now, she wanted me at that time because we got married. I remember the first time she brought home a check that was bigger than my whole annual salary. That was a challenging day. But, it, but then I, I swallowed my pride and said, thank you, Lord, for the gifts that a spouse can bring. Hallelujah. 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 She was working. Building her career. There's nothing wrong with you building, working as uh, individuals in your individual calling and, and waiting on God to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, I've got more for you. But he said, for Adam, there was no helper found. There was no helper found. That means Adam's own efforts Adam's work could not give him the divine human relationships that God had prepared. So maybe it is not a presentation of oneself that does it, but maybe it's an availability for God's work and mission and, 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 and design fully operational in you that makes something attractional or someone attractive. God not only can change your relational status, he'll give you work to do until it's time for your helper to come. Let's read verse 21. Ready? Read. It's amazing that after man is working, you'll see in just a second that he was also searching for his counterpart, his equal opposite, his companion, and he was coming up short. And sometimes when you are so focused on doing what God has for you to do, I know there's this idea that you're going to miss perhaps a moment. If you didn't go to this party, if you didn't 
dress this way, if you didn't socialize this way, if you didn't interact with this, and it kind of sometimes derails purpose. But at the right time, God said, Adam, you take a break now, just lay down. God was his anesthesiologist, laid that brother out. And the Bible said, took one of his ribs. That's why men have 11 ribs and women have 12. You know, men are missing a rib. You know that? Amen? Yeah, see, y'all, come on now. You know that ain't true. Somebody, y'all, y'all, y'all believe that your whole life. It's not. No, yeah. It's not. This, this is the first time this word rib is, is used in this way. It's the only time it's used in this way. It really means side. And so he took bone and flesh out of the side. So he took genetic material. He took blueprint. He took DNA. He took from, the, from someone that was an image bearer of Christ to, to make and mold another image bearer of Christ with different, different features, but same DNA. Okay? So that's what God was doing. Sometimes he's got to take you out of the picture to do it. And it feels like he's not doing his job, but he's got to get you out the way. And he brought her to the man. What if I told you that there's relationships that God wants you to be in that he's constantly bringing to you, but you may not be noticing them? You know, there's a picky spirit out in the world today. It is. I believe that God has been handing up friendships and relationships and connectivity and spouses a lot more frequently than one might think. When God first presented me to Debbie, I still walk a little funny, but I was pigeon-toed, knock-kneed, walked a little hunched over, wore some army boots with my sock, with, with the, with the, and jogging pants when I rolled all the way to my knee. And my, I wore my football socks every day, which was all green, and I wore a red or a blue flannel shirt with a green fisherman hat, and I walked around. Now, I kind of wore it. That was my like, uniform. I mean, that presentation ain't right. I mean, you don't just say, like, that's my man right there. <laughs> Ooh, that's my dream. That's my dream. You say, man, Lord, please. And I knew that I couldn't have been her dream because one of the first things she did in our friendship was buy me some shirts and a belt. That's, that's a kind way for your friend to say, hey, look, this, I, I, if we're going to be friends, you can't be looking like that. And I was thinking, if you look with human eyes, you might miss it. But if you're trusting God when he brings in relationships and you're just friendly and you're just kind and you're just nice and you're wearing a level of openness to what God might want to do in you, you might be surprised. Everybody can get a haircut, you know, and spruced up. By the way, this is not a part of the message. I just feel like I want to say it, though. Because I think there's a misnomer about this I fell in love thing. I think love is something you bestow upon another person. That means it's not something you fall into, that, that, that ticked all my boxes. That means you can literally take your love and give it to another person. Especially if God has given you the clue that they could be compatible with you. All I'm asking you to do is to not think that God is ignoring you. And perhaps you might be missing him. He brought the woman he built. This woman that he built was for him, compatible with him, designed for him. And and here the scripture says, 
Let's listen in this next verse to Adam's response. And in, 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 the, in the Hebrew language, this would be considered like a poem. So Adam basically is going to see Eve and he's going to go into pose. This brother going to have him a little poem. He got, he got something to say. This is little romance thing. Like he got the presentation and said, Lord, 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 hear what I want to say right now. Okay, ready? Get it with a little poetry on it when you read it. Ready? Read. Now stop. Y'all did that all wrong. Let me do it. Let me show you. When I sound say poetry, poetic, and put a little something on it, here's how it should go. Then the man said, this alas, this bone my bone. <laughs> flesh of my flesh. She's going to be called my woman <laughs> because she was taken out of man. Glory to God. <laughs> oh, look at these distinctions here. Alas, she is bone of my bone. In other words, she's another Im- image bearer. She has my same spiritual DNA. She, she's just like God. She's a chip off the old block. She, she has, she's, a, she's a counterpart. She's everything that I am. She's equal to me. And yet, she is woman. She's, I- she's ish, uh, and I am ish. And, and, and in, other, in, in other words, this is the first time that he is making a distinction about himself and about the woman from just being human or mankind. The first time that woman is stated is at the exact same time that the word man is introduced. He didn't fully know who he was until she showed up. But when she came, he said, I'm not just mankind like her. I am man-ish. She is woman-ish, and she is wonderful. She is made for me so that I can be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule with her because she wasn't taken from my head. She wasn't taken from my foot. She was taken from my side so we could be equal opposites doing the will of God together. I'm not in a fight with her. I'm not in a fight with my woman. I'm not trying to figure out who's in control. I'm trying to figure out what is the will of God for us. And I know, I know even though it's not said, it's a little messy. It's confusing. But somehow, when you go back to the original blueprint, it also gets beautiful. Because men and women working together is the most stable thing that a home can ever have. It's the most stable. Let me, let me finish up with these few verses here. Now God begins to speak. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, and they were not ashamed. You know, not only is God defining family, he, he is defining marriage. One 
cisgen, heterosexual male with one cisgen, heterosexual female in sexual union for a lifetime without fornication, adulterous behavior, homosexual leanings, ancestral leanings, serial poly uh, polygamous meetings, multiple people. He is defining it. So once you know what it is, then you can know what it isn't. And even if someone calls it something that it's not, you don't have to get offended. You don't even have to get abrasive. You don't even have to become a fighter. You just have to point back to what is. And it's just an invitation. And it's just an invitation that all of us have from God to come to his standard. We are not designed to polarize people, but to minister to them. Discipleship is not just a presentation of the gospel, but it's teaching people to observe and to do all that is written. It is, it is holding that truth up. The, the Bible says that the church is the pillar that holds forth the truth. We hold up the truth. We just hold up the mirror. We don't get pious. We don't get snobby, snooty, and standoffish. We just say the truth, and the truth also comes with a hug and love. Come on, no, I want to love you. I just got to tell you this, but I want to love you. I know it's not quite right yet, but I still want to love you. I can't let you off the hook of what he said, because that's not my job, but I love you. So when we're dealing with marriages and, and identity and and people who get confused as to what God is doing to solve aloneness in that context is not meant to be harmful, but liberating because you know where the boundaries are and it is good. But ultimately, this is only God's first step toward community. It's much more. It's a family of God and ultimately a marriage with Jesus. It's a big family. And I'll end with the scripture in, in um, Psalm 68.1 or 6. It says, God settles the solitary or the alone in a family. He leads out the prisoner to prosperity. He sets you in a family. You might not be able to solve your alone problem. Because sometimes we think, I got to work harder. Maybe we just have to accept God's presentations. And when we're doing a series like this, We Are Family, it is our objective to connect you to people. One of the most powerful things it is is to meet the people you worship with. This is not the church that you come into and you walk out of. There are churches like that. You can go to those. And that wouldn't be you doing something wrong. This is the church where we decided that we weren't just going to have a mission and vision and values together. We were going to be together. We're going to be together. It's take work. It takes work. But I believe God in my spirit. I believe this with my whole heart. You didn't tell me about this. Believe it in my whole heart. Some of you have best friends you've not met yet that are here. Some of you have spouses that are here. Some of you have business partners that are here. Some of you have the solutions to some of your financial or school troubles, and they are here, and you've got to do the work. So let me begin this altar call. Because we don't want anybody in our church to feel alone or watching online to feel alone. You can type in the chat if you're online, but you can. I want you to start looking around the room at 
for at least three or four people you don't know. Because our altar call today is going to go find that person and walk up the steps and go eat with them after church. We don't walk out with, well, I have friends. Well, go be a friend to someone else. Church is not about you. It's about the opportunity to serve like Christ. Go ahead. Take a moment. Like letter of the Holy Spirit. I want you to make sure you've looked in every direction and take, take about a five to ten second pause. Just look around at each other. You might be looking at your answer. I want to see everyone looking around. Don't assume you know. Let the Holy Spirit do something. Eyeball somebody you want to get a relationship with. Singles, I want to tell you, this is an opportunity. <laughs> you want church? I know it's just because dating and everything has become awkward. This is a live person. There ain't no profile to look at. You profiling them right now. Just go on this, jump in there. You don't know. You don't know. I didn't think I had a chance to Debbie. In fact, my friends would say, man, you don't have that. That's, that's above your level. I said, well, I'm just going to go for it anyway. Go for it. Go. Hallelujah. God may be presenting you with something today. You might find love. You might find friendship. You might find business partnership. But I know it's something for you to find. Stand to your feet. Pastor Dave, stand, come stand with me. I was about to end this. I'm that Pastor Dave, but you can come too, Pastor Dave. <laughs> He's, that's Pastor Dave too. But I want to, I want to, I want to say something about you. If you're from Dixon, we love our Dixon congregation, right? Before you leave, before you leave, Dixon folks, I want to introduce you to Pastor David Houston, who plants churches all over the United States with us. This is our guy in every nation who helps us do it. So I want y'all to meet him because he'll be a part of making sure that we are sound in what we do. So that's your little gift when you end. There y'all see y'all sitting right there. Come meet Pastor Dave and his wife. But uh, Pastor Dave, I am privileged to have a friendship with Pastor Dave. It's not a business arrangement. Sometimes the companionship and stuff, it, it, it comes in a holy package that might be friendship. Don't miss your opportunity. So when this is over, take your person upstairs. You dismiss us in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for the many friendships you bring us. The, the friendships that surprise us, that they come out of the, out of, just out of the, the corner of our eye and, and take us off guard. And then we stand back a few years later and say, what in the world? Look what you did. Yes, God. And we pray that you would start that even today. I believe that you are already setting things in motion for some people in this room who do feel terribly alone. But they don't have to stay alone. We are not meant to live alone. Your yes. solution is the family of God. And thank you, Lord, for singing for, from heaven over all of us. Welcome to the family yes. of God. It is a beautiful place to be. It is a wonderful place to be. You have set us in a family. And so we pray now over this food that we're about to eat. We give you thanks for it. We give you even more thanks for the fellowship, for the friendship, for the companionship, for the partnership that you are setting up for us in the family of God. You have given us a gift. Help us to enjoy it. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen and amen. Amen. Don't walk out alone. Walk out with your friend. That's the altar call. Pray for each other.